Good morning, church family. I'll try it again. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Hey, that's much, much better. It's good to see everyone here in third service, and I just appreciate you uh, being a part of uh, our fellowship. If uh, you're a first-time guest, we sure welcome you, and we hope that the Lord will bless you uh, in this time together. I'm going to ask that we take just a few moments and uh, just bow and have a, a word of prayer before the message. Father, in this gathering, uh, we come and, and share through your word a very difficult uh, subject matter. And it would be my prayer, Lord, that, that through the words that are said, it will, again, just be laid upon each heart uh, in this room. Uh, Father, we come to realize in life that in relationships, Sometimes they can be severed. And there can be times that, uh, whether it's family members or best of friends, co-workers, uh, whoever it may be, because of a severed relationship, words are no longer spoken. I guess pray, Lord, that if that is occurring here amongst people, amongst our church family, that you will open hearts, that reconciliation can take place, and Lord, that relationships can be fully amended. We thank you, Lord, that it's through your word that uh, you teach us how you want us to live. And I pray that in this subject matter today, it will be received well. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. I am going to be talking about a, a very difficult subject matter that can create a tremendous amount of heartache uh, in our lives. Have you ever found yourself smack in the middle of a severed relationship? Maybe it is with a friend or a coworker or a relative or even maybe even one of your own children. In our time together, let's look at God's word and let's discover the principle of reconciliation through the process of forgiveness. So I'm going to encourage you right now, if you can take out your Bibles and open it up to the New Testament, and we're going to be looking at a little book called Philemon. This uh, little book only has 25 verses in it, only one chapter. And uh, it's kind of hidden uh, in between uh, the book of, of Titus and the book of Hebrews. So take a few moments and uh, try to find that little book. If you do not have a, a Bible, I'd like to encourage you to take a Bible in front of you in the, in the rack in the, the seat in front of you. And uh, use that today, and then we'd love to have you take that home with you as a gift from OCC. Now, as we look into the background of uh, this New Testament book of Philemon, we can soon discover that the primary thrust of this letter was for reconciliation between two people. It called for forgiveness when wrong had been done. It called for acceptance of a, another Christian brother, even though he was from a different class distinction. Now that we know that the purpose of this book, let's take a few moments and let's discover the three main characters that are mentioned uh, in these first 25 verses. You know, we don't probably need to say too much about the author 
because we probably have heard story after story about the, the Apostle Paul. But some information is pertinent, pertinent to the circumstance surrounding the lives of the other two main characters. First, we see that the Apostle Paul was imprisoned when he wrote this letter. The imprisonment was certainly not the same one as when he wrote 2 Timothy. When he wrote that letter, he was expected to be executed. But according to verse 22 of the book of Philemon, the Apostle Paul was expecting to be released from the imprisonment. Look what it says in verse 22. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Now, this probably was the imprisonment that we read about in Acts chapter 28, verses 30 and 31, when Paul was under house arrest imprisonment, which gave him great freedom to receive people. In other words, people were able to come and go to help Paul perform special ministries for him. So why did the Apostle Paul write this little letter of the book of Philemon and why he was in prison? Well, the answer allows us to jump right into the core of today's message. There was a conflict, like I mentioned before, between two individuals. The person to whom Paul wrote the book was the one who was the offended person. He is identified by the name of Philemon. And according to the very first verse of, the, of our text, it reveals that Philemon was a very dear friend to Paul and a fellow worker in the church. It was believed that Philemon was probably a very benevolent person as seen in Paul's reference to his love for the saints. Look at verse 4 and 5. It says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Now, the scriptures also indicate that Philemon probably was evidently a very wealthy man and that he had slaves. Philemon was also involved in the area of evangelism. If you look at verse 6, it says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And because of his involvement in sharing the gospel, he would have been very receptive of hearing of someone else becoming a Christian. Well, that thought can lead us into the introduction to the third character in this book. And his name was Onesimus. He was one of Philemon's slaves. The problem occurred when Onesimus became a runaway. And tradition tells us that Onesimus may have stolen from Philemon to have resources to get as far away as possible. And as he got far away, he went to Rome. And somehow, he met the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul shared the gospel with Onesimus. And Onesimus came into very personal relationship with Jesus and began to do ministry side by side with Paul. But something later, sometime later, Onesimus decided that he needed to confess his runaway slave situation. So in good conscience, Paul could not keep Onesimus with him. No doubt, there must have been a mutual agreement with Onesimus. And Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon with this intercessory letter. When Paul requested in this letter, it was revolutionary in the, in the first century. For a slave to run away was a, a, a tremendously a very serious matter. And when a runaway slave was found, he was either treated in several different ways, may have been beaten, may have been tortured, and may actually had a, was branded with a hot iron to indicate that he was a fugitive 
or a runaway slave. And at sometimes, slaves were even executed. But before we go any further, let me interject to some scholars today that they are concerned that Paul did not say more about this subject of, of slavery in his letter. But we need to realize that what Paul did say about slavery was revolutionary as would have been accepted in the first century. There are probably several reasons why Paul did not express himself as harshly about slavery that, that, that he would have liked. You see, much of the slave and master relationship was far different from what, probably what many Americans think today or envision. In many circles, the slave-master relationship in the New Testament, you see, it was more like an employee-employer relationship. Some of the most educated people at that time period were, were the slaves. And some of the most significant functions that they had, such as medicine, teaching school, and being involved in law, were all done by slaves. And many slaves were well-treated, well-paid, and well-respected and sensed a well-being about their situations. But before we go any further, being a runaway slave was still a very serious matter. Onesimus, he was a, a dear, became a dear companion, a dear friend to the Apostle Paul. So here's the scenario. Onesimus, the man on the run. Philemon, the man who was offended. And Paul, the man who became the reconciler. Can you relate to the circumstances in this story? Are you the person on the run? Are you the running away from maybe a, a situation because you have wronged someone that's very close to you? Is there a particular sin in your life that has wedged a, a, a severed relationship with somebody that you were very close to? Are you the person who has been offended is there someone in your life who, is, who has abused your friendship or maybe even committed a wrongful act against you? Is there someone that, that you are having a very difficult time in forgiving? Or maybe you're the person who's known as the reconciler. Are you the one that God uses in ministry of healing situations and help bring harmony among dif uh, difficult situations? Are you the, in the business of mending instead of tearing apart? Is the Lord using you in a very special way to bring unity and understanding among your peers? So where do you fit in? Are you the person on the run? Or are you the person who's been offended? Or are you the one who was the reconciler? I'm sure it is safe to say that today that no relationship exists long without tensions. No human interaction occurs without possibilities of pain and injury and suffering and alienation. You, you see, their hurts, they do come. And misunderstandings undoubtedly happen. That is exactly what occurred between Philemon and Onesimus. Their relationship between master and slave was severed because of the offense caused by Onesimus. How did the two of them return to a friendship relationship? Well, it happened because of the act or the process of forgiveness took place. Now, at this point in the message, maybe we better define what it means to have forgiveness. 
Just a few short weeks ago, John shared a, a few thoughts about forgiveness. The Greek word for forgive means to remit or to, to cancel a debt. It involves the complete removal of a cause of the offense. Other definitions that are given forgiveness are to, to let go, to release, to pardon, cancellation, to letting pass or passing over. Some people might even say that it means that you forget. But humanly, I don't think that is humanly possible to be able to forget an offense that occurred to us. Only God can do that. And we are not God. But forgiveness has to do with settling the issue within us so that the issue no longer fuels our emotions of anger. There's probably no better verse than Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verse 15, to hide in our hearts when it comes to, to getting a handle on the emotions when it pertains to bitterness. Look what it says in that verse. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Do you struggle right now in your life with bitterness? If you have been hurt by someone in your lifetime, how have you handled this situation? Maybe you were laid off from your job because of maybe a, a boss thought that they should keep maybe a younger person instead of you. And so bitterness starts creeping in into your heart and into your life. Or just maybe you've been neglected or even abused by a family member and you churn inside with bitterness. You simply cannot let it go. Or maybe you've been mistreated by somebody right here in this fellowship and you walk in the hallways and they don't even look at you or speak to you. How do you handle that situation? You know, if we are not careful, the root of bitterness will grow and defile and cause trouble to many. Now, apparently, Philemon was, was hurt deeply because he entrusted much into Onesimus. And so how did he forgive so easily? It has been said that forgiveness must be one of the deepest human hungers. Some say that forgiveness is something that we discover more than something that we do. It is something we gratefully receive more than something that we gratefully give. One thing can be, sir, can be said is that forgiveness is costly, outrageously costly. 70 times 7 explores a few of the 490 varieties of hurt where healing can only come from complete, complete forgiveness. You know, we hear the statement such as this. I'm calling it quits with that person. I can no longer forgive them for what they have done to our family. He'll pay for every painful moment that we suffered through over the past 10 years. But then that person, then that person discovers a deeper truth about life. We need to be reminded that no matter what has been done to us, no matter what hurt that has been inflicted, Forgiveness is absolutely possible. The problem is, most of us stall at that point, asking why. Why should I forgive? Why shouldn't that person pay the price? Why shouldn't that person pay for his sins? Why shouldn't he be punished? Why shouldn't he suffer? If any conviction about such things come naturally, it's the deep-seated belief that somebody, somebody has to pay. We think forgiveness seems too easy. And we say that blood for blood, 
or eye for eye. But we need to come to understand that it is through the process of forgiveness that can reconcile the differences and restore healing in our relationships that have been severed. But you know what? Rejecting all relationships that have failed is probably the common solution. We like to cut old connections, withdraw from all interactions, and maybe kind of live at a distance and avoid intimacy and involvement. Above all, we do not want to risk working at forgiveness. As common as this option is, it can destroy relationships. So what is God's answer uh, to this matter? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, it says this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men and there's their sins, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. For you see, with forgiveness, you are set free to meet genuinely, to interact authentically, and to risk being fully present with each other in integrity. In our scripture passage today, we learn that the Apostle Paul was in the business of restoring relationships. He was in the business of building bridges when it came to broken in severed relationships. So this book of Philemon tells us that Paul was a prisoner, but he did not ask to be freed or to, to receive finances or to have comfort in the home. He asked that those who were not in prison to be active in sharing their faith. And if they did that with the purpose that they would have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ that they would be more willing to be reconciled then with others. You see, Philemon had a reputation for ministering to the hearts of the saints. So it was very easy for Paul to approach Philemon with the request of reconciliation with Onesimus. But Paul could have turned to Onesimus and to the government. And he could then, the legal authorities would have sent him back to Philemon. Instead, Paul, with the cooperation of Onesimus, sent him back not as a slave of a citizen in the Roman political sense, but as a Christian brother to a Christian brother. You see, Christianity must live above their cultural expectations, some of which build gaps instead of bridges. So what is the lesson that we need to take home today? The lesson is simply this. To reconcile broken relationships Forgiveness must take place. So in the next few moments, allow me to take you, with you some steps that I hope that can help you to understand how to reconcile severed relationships. And simply step number one is by realizing wrongdoing. In other words, a significant movement toward forgiving begins as we bring an end to blaming and moving forward to a recognition of a joint participation to whatever degree in that painful situation. Now, I realize that there are times that there is an innocent party when, it's involved a when it involves a particular situation, such as an abusive situation. But probably most of the time when a relationship needs to be mended or reconciled, both parties need to take some responsibility. Ending the blame is the better step. Taking responsibility for the part in the process of forgiveness. 
the Apostle Paul identified as the reconciler in the story, applies the principle of Jesus. And this is what Jesus says. If you have something against your brother, or if your brother has something against you, go and win right relationships with the other again. Isn't that awesome, uh, teaching from, from Jesus himself? This letter of Philemon wasn't concerned about pointing fingers at someone, but concerned about reconciling two lives together in a relationship. Step two in reconciling a relationship is by restoring the attitude of love. You see, forgiveness begins when love has been extended to the offender. Love is possible when we see the other's value once more. The Apostle Paul restates this in verses 4 and 5. Look at the verses. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. You see, Paul was thankful about God's people and faith and love. There is a relationship between having faith in the Lord and having love with all the saints. Love to others involves risk and sacrifice which require trust. Trust in God and that our risk will not destroy us. You see, we trust that God's grace is going to be sufficient for the love we render to others. Love makes it possible for us to see, to think, to feel, to want, and to act differently towards another person again. Step three in reconciliation with someone is by renewing repentance. This is probably one that is extremely hard. And it's the real work. Forgiveness recognizes what really happened, owns the hurt incurred, and responds to the other person with integrity and affirms new behavior for the future with genuine intentions. Our repentance needs to be authentic, honest, and as complete as possible in the moment. In Luke chapter 17, 3 and 4, it says this, If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Wow, again, what another powerful part of God's word. You see, repentance is the central task of forgiving and being forgiven. Where there is no repentance, then there is no true forgiveness. Repentance is only what is full acknowledgement of the past. And then choosing what will be open responsibility for one's behavior in the future. In repentance, past injuries are fully recognized and future intentions are truly, truly genuine. And right relationships are now being expressed and experienced with, with each other. And the scripture here reveals to us that Onesimus confessed to Paul about his runaway situation. And that's why Paul wrote this letter, this uh, beautiful intercessory letter. Apparently, as I mentioned before, Onesimus repented of the situation and now is ready to return and face his own responsibility in this circumstance. Step four in reconciling relationships is by releasing the painful past. To accept another is to meet him or her now 
as the person he or she really is. To come to terms with reality is to accept the past as past. Paul asked Philemon uh, to reach out in forgiveness to the person who did him wrong. And in Paul's request to uh, Onesimus, he was not asking Onesimus to, to, to run from his past, but to face it and to rise above it. And he was asking Philemon not to be embittered, but to be bettered by it. That's why in verse 17 it says this in the following scriptures. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back for good. No matter, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is a very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a man as a brother in the Lord. You see, Paul asked Philemon to receive Onesimus back as someone useful, as a brother in Christ. Now, isn't that the, the classic example of how we should not lock people into the past? We should not categorize people according to how we knew them at one time. We should not entrap people into their previous immaturity, but we should be open to what the grace and peace of God can do. And in forgiving, we can finish our de demands and, and, and our past problems and leave them behind with finality. Now that leads us into step number five in reconciling relationships. It's by reopening the future. We must drop our demands for what we think should happen in the future. No one can offer an insurance policy that all will be well in the future. That is only possible probably in a fictional a storybook. But we must be willing to be spontaneous together. We may fail, but we must be willing to continue to accept one another. Romans 15 verse says it this way, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring, to bring praise to God. Yes, the Apostle Paul became the reconciler in this situation between Philemon and Onesimus. He is the one who reopened the future for their relationship. Paul did not camouflage his feelings about the situation. Do you know, too many times we have hidden agendas and we, when we approach somebody and they'll never know what we're doing. But Paul would not play those games. But he made it very clear to Onesimus that, that Onesimus was dear to him and that to welcome Onesimus would be the same thing as welcoming him. Paul did not only do that, but he went up to bat for Onesimus. And he was, he was willing to take on personal responsibilities. Look what it says in verse 18. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. You see, Paul wrote in confidence that Philemon would indeed continue his Christian benevolence and in doing so would refresh Paul's spirit while he was in prison. Now that comes to our last step that we need to take in reconciling relationships. And that is by reaffirming the relationship. Reconciliation must end in celebration or the process really has not ended. 
We must touch each other as deeply as possible in our release of the pain and celebrate mutual recognition that the right relationship has now been restored. This bonding, you see, can allow us to meet with a new meaning in the relationship. Few letters have the heartbeat as this letter does in God's word. This book, by Phil- this book of Philemon, regardless of what Philemon did, Paul expected it to visit him. Paul did not say, unless you, unless you fulfill my request, I will never visit you again. He didn't say those words. His fellowship with Philemon was based upon Christ. And I hope that in our endeavor, in our relationships, they're always based upon Christ. You see, the situation between Philemon and Onesimus was, was known beyond Onesimus' immediate acquaintances. Paul's fellow prisoners knew about it and sent greetings to Philemon. Christians are connected to other Christians. Even the Lone Ranger needed Tonto. And we must express that connectedness through our concern and responsibility fellowship with each other. Do you know? It's a real shame that we live in the most connected world that is by the power of media. But sometimes we have become the most disconnected people. Let us not remain as the person on the run. And let us not remain as the person who's been offended. But let's take on the opportunity to be the person as a reconciler. Let us be bridge builders. Let us open up the grace of God and may it be with our spirits that his spirit may be seen in the community of people reconciled to God and reconciled to one another despite our failures. You know what that is what the church is all about, isn't it? And that is what Paul's letter to Philemon is all about. You see, the book of Philemon is a little letter with a big heart. Now, let it enlarge our hearts. Let me pray. Father, my, my heart is, uh, is, is troubled today and concerned for people who I care about and people that I love. Father, I pray that through the act, through the process of forgiveness, that reconciliation can mend relationships. Whether it's, again, with a friend, a coworker, a family member, whoever it may be. I pray, Father, that if this is occurring in someone's life right here in this service, that they will meditate upon the steps that were laid out here this morning. That they would pray about the matter And Lord, that they become the reconciler and lives can be changed. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.